0: Inside the recording studio. I am Jody Whitesides and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How you doing today, Chris?
1: I'm doing very well, Jody. There's my energetic buddy. <laughs> that was a lot more power than last, last week's weekend. episode. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. you know, I was trying to get that effect for what we were talking about last week. So yeah. apparently I did it so well it freaked you out. <laughs>
1: It did. Probably it did, freaked out a that, lot that, of other people. That's too. <laughs> not the Jody that I know. So uh, no, I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing Fantastic. good. I'm uh, ready to, to nerd out some today. Nerd out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the, the Poltech today going we are.
0: deep into its history and its inner workings and all that kind of stuff. And the, the irony of this situation is I'm going to let you run more with the history, and I guess I'll talk more about the usage this yeah. time around.
1: Yeah, let's do that. So, and, are, are uh, we
0: just going to just dive right in then on our deep I think dive? Let's
1: go right th- into there, the deep end. I think we should because there's kind of a lot to get to here. And it's, you know, it's another one that we, the other deep dives that we've done have been classic pieces of gear, right? And yeah. Important gear. And, and this is no just different. like that. Very classic. Absolutely. In the very true sense of the world. So, um, <laughs> so take it off then. I shall. So, Poltec, the Poltec EQ. And while there are several different versions of this, um, we're talking about the main one today that that we kind of think about. Um, And we're going to talk about the – what's the name here? It rolls off the tongue. The EQP1A. Mm. Uh, But before we get to that, (laughs) let's do a little bit of backtracking here and see where it kind of comes from. Um, Poltec is a company, uh, Pulse Technologies is an abbreviation of that. Mm. Um, so now you know that. where that came from. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, Pulse Technologies. And there'll be, uh, there will be other abbreviations here that um, we'll have to clear up as well on the interface and things. But, um, yeah, started by two gentlemen in the 50s. In a garage. Schen- <laughs> in a garage, yeah, in Jersey, I think. Uh Eugene Schenck and Oliver Summerlin, Mm -hmm. and the – without going into super detail of all that kind of stuff, but what – the first thing that they built was actually a a test oscillator called the P1, and this was for – again, we start noticing a a thread here, but this was for broadcasting, for testing audio gear and that kind of thing, and it had a a sweeping amplifier for them to test. Um, But with changes in times here, they they quickly came up with the idea that they wanted to build an EQ. Good on them.
0: Well done, you guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And everybody else here, we we can thank them for it at this point, right? Um, And um, in the early 50s, they came out with their first EQ model. Now, this is a passive EQ as well. and. Without going into detail about that, because I can't speak eloquently about that because I'm not an electrical engineer, Mm. Um, but what a passive EQ does, so I've been told, (laughs) is that it lowers the levels of everything that you send through it. It, You will lose – Essentially 15 dB by just running stuff through that. So, you need some sort of amplifying stage to bring the signal back up. So, the uh, the Poltec has three different tubes in it. It is not entirely solid state. It is a tube EQ. It is. It is. Um, so, the first EQ, then, the EQP1, mm-hmm. um, was the first one that came out. And if anybody's ever seen the EQ, you obviously know what, what the Poltec looks like. But, that I the, do. Li- but the layout can be a little confusing um, <laughs> if you've never used one. And even when you start using one until you get to grips with it, it's like, okay, what? What is this? But what we have on, let's say to the left side of the unit, we have a boost and an attenuation knob. Boost is obviously we're boosting signal. Attenuation is the opposite. We're lowering or attenuating the signal. Yep. Um, Underneath that, we have a frequency selector where on the the units themselves it says CPS. That stands for cycles per second. So it's essentially just frequency. Yes. And um, on those. There's a reason for
0: that before you jump into like saying what Go those for it. Yeah, things yeah, are. Yeah. There is a reason for why they use CPS rather than Hertz at the time. And that is because the definition of it at that time that they had created the unit had not switched over and been uniformly discussed as being HZ.
1: Wow. yeah, That
0: is the reason why it was originally termed under CPS. Is because that, that's fascinating. that is prior to when Hertz was actually considered the norm of what it should be called.
1: Little tidbit of not information. Know that. Now you know. Just like I've said before, yeah, <laughs> I got to listen to this podcast more often. I right? learn something. Yeah, you might Get something uh, in your head. Wh- when did that happen? I, Do
0: you know, you know it must have happened sometime after the EQP one came out because uh, the so so sometime in the probably sixties, s- maybe. maybe? Yeah, mid to huh. late '60s is what? my guess because this was kind of the the EQP one was like early '60s, right? Early '50s. Early '50s. Well, then maybe it yeah. probably happened sometime in the the, the right around the '60s, I mean, early '60s. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I didn't huh. like really dive into the research of when they decided to start calling things hertz as instead of
1: cycles yeah. per second. Yeah, that's uh. That, that's nerd level 10, right? <laughs> that, that goes beyond my
0: musicianship level and my basic production level into like way beyond geek level of like Neil deGrasse Tyson. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That, a, so, that's, but that's interesting though. So, we had a frequency, we had, we still have a frequency selector on those that goes from 30 cycles, 60, and 100. Yes. And we obviously have the ability to boost. And or cut there as well. We, we'll go into the the usage of that. I think why that's important later. Um, we then have a high shelf that we can boost also, and this also has a variable frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, this one goes from three k, five k, eight k, ten, and twelve. Right, and this one also has a variable width of the band, and that's the bandwidth knob that the we Q. have under there. Yeah. As most people call it now. Right. Yeah. At that point, it's bandwidth. Um, And that's what makes, to me, the layout a little bit odd. Because right next to that boost knob, there's another attenuation knob. Yes. But that is not dependent on that same shelf frequency. So this one has another attenuation selector. And on the very first model, that was set to just 10K. Mm-hmm. There was no other option. You you, you could attenuate the, the high shelf at 10K. That was it. There was no other ones. Um, that changed a little bit on the EQP1A where we got a few more frequencies in there. So um, should I rattle those guys off as well before we do that or should we talk a little bit about the usage? Let's just do that. Let's you just do kinda... you and
0: I will follow along.
1: All right. <laughs> so... Um, in the sixties early sixties mm-hmm. the the p1a came out and we got a couple more frequencies here we now at the low shelf we got added a twenty hertz or twenty cycles per second um, the mid was also expanded we now had three k four k five k eight. 10 and 12 and 16. So we got a little bit wider range there as well. And at this model also, we had the high shelf attenuation where we got the 10, or I'm sorry, we had the 10 already, mm-hmm. but we now get the five and 20 as well. And this is the unit that most of us tend to think about. I think we, we, we see that big blue three unit, three rack, rack unit space. That, yep, yep, right. That's the one. So, um, And these two guys more or less made all of them themselves. They did have additional staff that were putting them together. So this was very much like a small-time operation. But that, you know, they kept everything high quality and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of these units were, you know – well now use. you'd be lucky
0: to find one
1: if you can get one. <laughs> yeah, and if you can get one and it's in working order and it's and probably if you
0: ridiculously can, expensive if you if you can find one. In,
1: indeed, indeed. Um there are obviously uh, they resurrected the company or the the company got resurrected essentially in the early 2000s. There's uh, we were talking about this before, but it's kind of Funny or at least interesting or sad, depending on your view. <laughs> but but the, the company was active up until 1981. Right. And Eugene Schenk wanted to retire, as the story goes. And nobody wanted to buy the company. Nobody wanted to purchase the company. So they just Ouch. Clo- closed it down. <laughs> yeah. Can you say, Ouch. <laughs> yeah, and this is an 81. And so it's – b- before – there's one more model that, that we think about there as well that is still in production today that, that we'll we'll talk about that when with the company as well. We'll get resurrected. But there is one model called the EQP1A3. Mm-hmm. And the only difference of this one as opposed to the 1A is that it's two rack spaces tall as opposed to three, and it has a silver face.
0: The humor of that, though, when you think about it, is it's called the three, and now oh, it's a oh, yeah. two-rack <laughs> Right? It's like, why didn't they just call it the two?
1: <laughs> yeah. It, we'll have to ask uh, Mr. Shank if we ever get or, that or opportunity. Or Mr.
0: Summerlin, because since Shank has is, is retired himself, maybe he's not around.
1: Who I'm knows? pretty sure that, uh, I'm not sure that, they're both with us anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't I go really that far, care. but but um, yeah, that, that's that's an interesting story. But that was supposedly for you know um, studios were getting more and more gear and this kind of thing, so space was at a premium, so they they squeezed it into a smaller two form unit. factor, Yes, right, yeah. Um, that's a
0: that's a thirty percent savings in space right there.
1: <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. Maybe
0: that's why it's called the three. <laughs>
1: Interesting, interesting thought. Probably not, but interesting. You know, you could lie to somebody and just say that with proper (laughs) conviction and they'll probably buy it. So That's right. Um, (laughs) And lastly, that that we'll bring up here is um, in early 2000, the company was sort of resurrected by a gentleman, Steve Jackson. Mm -hmm. And with the guidance of Shank, he is now reproducing these units again and they're identical replicas. And he even – Supposedly got or went as far as to recreate the er- electronic components. So it's not new components doing this. He's recreated the old components. So he's so, using
0: NOS. New old stock is what they call that.
1: Yeah. Um, he – from the way I understand it is that he's now manufacturing the parts or giving specific manufacturing to the parts so that they're behaving exactly like the old parts. It's not like they're the same components but but – you know, made now. Well, they are made now, but but, but with the specifications of okay. the old gear that I got yeah. You. That's, so it's
0: not new old stock. It's actually new stock. It's just replicating old stock. Right. Yeah. I
1: know. What would they call that? New.
0: Nros. New replicated old stock.
1: <laughs> they just call it Poltech parts. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you know, so,
0: just as a quick aside on that. Uh, yeah. That was Aspen Pittman's big thing. Was uh, having old stock tubes, and Mm -hmm. the whole thing with Groove Tubes, who was Aspen uh, Aspen Pitman's company, Groove Tubes. Their big thing was is they he had a way of testing tubes and being able to grade them based on their performance of his tests to. Mm be able to understand how to sell them better to other people. And then anything they rejected went to other companies. So a lot of the times he got all the first pick of everything he'd go testing. And then anything he didn't want, they went off and got sold by other companies.
1: (laughs) That's a good position to be in. Right?
0: So uh, it just seems kind of interesting. But he he made a big deal about uh, what they called NOS, new old stock. So it's just kind of interesting. This guy is – Going to the great lengths of being able to recreate old stock in a replicated replicated sense, yeah, so, yeah. I, I would serve so, that instead of n o s that's n r o s new replicated old stock who knows so yeah that that's
1: probably a good good way of putting it, but yeah, so they're up and running um and it's like gear derangement I, syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but they're they're up and running and they're they're fantastic um e q s obviously you work with them more than i do i do i like them but uh you know um as the saying goes it's it's hard to make anything sound bad with them and a couple of episodes ago, we talked about you know different types of e q and corrective e q and all this kind of stuff, and yes, this would be one that i would i would firmly plant in the sort of Sweetening EQ. You're making something sound better more often than not. Uh I think you'd you'd almost have to apply yourself to make something sound bad going through <laughs> this type of <laughs> EQ. Uh, broadly speaking. Broadly speaking. But, uh, you, you, but can yeah. do, you
0: can do wrong with them. It's just it's a little more difficult, but the bigger problem ends up being, you know, uh getting your head wrapped around the interface. Of using it, whether you're using the hardware version or the GUI version that replicates it, it it takes a moment to kind of wrap your head around the. The concept, the layout, of the basically. layout of the EQ, and as you were actually initially talking about it, I actually was making these funny designs on the screen, the triangle, um, the triangles, thing, yeah. because that, you have to—that's how you have to think of the thing, because the, each the area of each portion of the EQ, it, it fits into like this little triangular shape, and it's like yeah. one goes this way, one goes that way, and then the other one kind of shifts off to the other side. So, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, actually a really good way of coming to grips with it. When you start, when you see those triangles, it it sort of makes sense. Yes, it's still there's still some wrapping around in your head that you need to do what it actually does. But right. but yeah, once you do that, it it's. Um, Not the underpinnings, but but the operation is relatively straightforward.
0: Relatively straightforward, yeah. And and, and to kind of just riff off on where you're about to go with like who's still making these things or who's creating hardware versions of them. you had initially said that this guy mr jackson has reinvigorated or resurrected the company of pulse technologies but warm audio also makes these things uh, another yep. company called pro replicas make these things in addition to that if you really feel super inclined you can actually get the schematics mm-hmm. and build one for yourself
1: yeah because they are sure they're all also there. Yeah, and I think there even um, there are kits, just like there are to a lot of the when we talked about the eleven seventy sixes and that type of yeah. thing. There you can if you're handy enough with the soldering iron and you're so inclined. Um, there are kits that you can get to to do that. Um, just keep in mind that if you want them on your master bus, you're going to need to make two of them. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they they're are not, mono. They're not stereo units. Yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, so that's cool. And then of course we we live in a software world today, right? So uh-huh. lots of different ones. So so we, which ones? I mean, you, you being a UA guy, obviously. Yep. You're, you're using their versions, but but who else are is making these? Well, you that, know, that you Waves might... comes to mind. Yeah, they make a mm-hmm. they make one. Uh, Soft two makes one. Yeah, the Puig Tech. Right? The,
0: yeah, well, yeah, the, the, well the, the Waves, Waves ones one. are based on Jack Joseph Puig's which, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting his replicated models because he obviously owns the real thing. Uh, yeah, Logic also comes with one in their vintage EQ set.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting because that one actually includes the interface. We didn't so, talk about We mentioned the passing, but, but the um, – mentioned it in passing. I can speak. Yes. Um, it includes the uh, mid EQ as well.
0: Right. Uh, and,
1: in the logical. yeah.
0: Well, the UA series, the Poltec collection there, actually has quite a few. Mm -hmm. They have the EQP1A, which is obviously the most uh, widely recognized version of the EQ by Poltec. They also have the MEQ5, which is the three-band mids of two boosts and one attenuated signal there. And they also have, which is what is known as the HLF3C, which is the high and low frequency cutoffs. So, uh, huh. which is just a two band thing. And it's just a, a, a low pass filter and a high pass filter, uh, uh, as one little EQ range. Uh, and then if you, obviously, if you have the universal audio version, you get, uh, what they call the Poltech Pro Legacy, which is, very similar to what you're saying with the Logic version. It is the regular EQP1 coupled with the MEQ5 all-in-one interface. So it becomes like a right. five-space rack-looking thing. It's giant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it still sounds great, even though it's considered a legacy thing. The the missing piece in the uh, Poltec legacy, I guess... R- recreations in the universal audio software have to do with uh, the transformer stage. They don't recreate the transformer in the legacy ones. Whereas in the full blown, mm-hmm. like here's the whole thing that chews up a whole lot of extra DSP. They actually also recreate the transformer and the harmonic distortion that it creates inside the EQ as well. So sure. sometimes I'll just grab the, e- the, the pro EQ legacy because it's light on the it's light on the DSP but it still has that poltec sound to it and it's got everything instead of running two plugins at once you can run one and be good with it so yeah yeah
1: yeah so it it's a beast so um and i've i've used the waves versions as well you know they sound yeah. great yeah and and um we mentioned it again before, with um, or I mentioned it when we talked about EQ as well. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a Slate guy. There's no one-on-one sort of recreation of that. But what comes really close there is the custom series EQ, uh, where it has similar uh, curves. And also that there's a scaled-down version of that. It's called the Lift, which is a boost-only EQ. But there also you've got you're low-end yeah, and the high-end that you can... Uh, with a couple of variations on the curves there as well. So similar to that kind of thing where we can just sweeten everything, would boost a little bit of the lows and boost a little bit of highs, and everybody's super happy. Uh, you know, there's one other yeah. little interesting thing, though,
0: that has What's not that? yet been mentioned. And that is just using the EQP1 in the signal path without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Actually boosts your signal by about 1.1 1. 1 dB. Across the whole spectrum. Yep. You know, or yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah just got a. It's got about a one, a little over a one dB gain to it.
1: No huh. figure. Because I know. Yeah. Cause, well, but that's something that apparently the the old units would do. That even if you didn't boost or cut anything, mm-hmm. it would impart a color on the sound. Yes. And uh, I just tried it out. Um, and that's the whole with, point
0: of using this kind of stuff: is color.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's color. So, yeah, and uh I, I have to do some testing here. I I have the the waves versions mm-hmm. as well and uh, I will need to do some further testing on that how much they impart by just being active, you know. Um and uh I will probably go back and do my little white noise trick to do that to kind of check that and see White how much noise they trick. Yeah, go back and check the Tuesday Tips if you haven't seen that one. But it's a pretty neat little thing where, where you can kind of see what, what's going on.
0: Oh um, yeah. Well, yeah. before we jump into the next section, let's just take a quick word from our sponsor. All right, what are we talking about next, Chris?
1: I think it's about to, time to talk about usage now, right? Yeah. How do we use these bad boys? Because we talked about how they work and how they're laid out. Uh, but maybe... You can go in and talk a little bit about how you like to use them, where you like to use them, and how you tend to do that.
0: Oh, boy. Let me count the ways. Go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Generally speaking. How much time you got? That's right. So, uh, the, the man, you just laid a pile right on me. Um
1: what's but the best where's your first you first go to what do you use them first on like whatever type of instrument this is where I'm going to use the Poltec or do you tend to go to bus with it or what do you no use, no no no
0: I, I go individual with it quite a bit um, and more often than not it has more to do with the character i I want to Im- imbibe on the entire mix so the fortunate thing with having software versions of this is that mm-hmm. you're not limited to having maybe one or two of them in your studio and, and you're being very judicious with it. Y- you have the ability to go wildly nuts if you have software versions. So I will oftentimes, if I am not using the Helios on guitars, mm-hmm. I will use the Poltec on guitars.
1: On so, individual guitars? Or your guitar yes.
0: Mods? And the reason for that is, is because I will choose slightly different settings To Mm -hmm. create slightly different spaces, especially if guitars are getting panned across from each other. And the reason for that being is is that you want to create – you don't want to just replicate one guitar from one side to the other side because then you're not really expanding the horizon, so to speak, when you do that. So I will use different settings on – guitars that are panned opposite of each other. Uh, I do the same thing when I'm doing them on drums because I will use them on drums. I use them on Mm -hmm. bass on rare occasions. I will actually use them on vocals as well. So I use that thing in quite a few instances in various places, depending on the vibe that I'm trying to give the mix. You know, the yeah. that it comes more down to research and, and wanting to have a certain vibe on a mix more than anything of how I will use it. And generally speaking, that's I will use the Poltec more often when I know that something has been properly tracked. Mm-hmm. If something is improperly tracked and there are hugely, grossly out of character Things going on in the sound, obviously, you can't use the Poltec as a way of, or means of, of massive correction on things. It is more for something that has been thoughtfully thought out when it was tracked.
1: <laughs> it's a good yeah. way of putting it. <laughs> no, I agree because I think it, it it's not a um, – It's not a, a correct. To me at EQ. least – yeah, it's not a fixing EQ. It's a better making EQ. Yes, right. You're sweetening something. And uh, I was doing some experimentation uh, during the week here when I had some time of um, putting this on kick drum, for example. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic on a kick drum. Oh yeah. Um, and that's a so, that's a good starting place for that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just read. I'm not sure if it's true, but but studying a little bit for these. Uh, for for today's episode, apparently um, Chris Lord Alge mm-hmm. has two of these on his main output, so on every mix there will be a little bit of a boost and on the low end, it's that, and the high.
0: And and I could probably guesstimate as to how he's actually using it when he does that because I've not researched it, but um, yeah, there's a there's a reason that it's really cool with the low end out of that EQ. And it has yeah. to do with the way the boost and attenuation works.
1: Yes. This and, would be a good time to go into that because we we just kind of glossed over that where they're yeah. essentially – they have the same frequency. But tell us why that – Well, and, and this is why I tend the the to use it, it on
0: certain situations is yeah. specifically because of this situation. So uh, when you set the frequency of the low end, which is on the left – triangular inverted triangle of the, of the uh, EQ interface. Uh, I don't know which side yeah. it would be on, on the screen, but um,
1: <laughs> if you're listening to this, Jody is, I'm trying to do wildly. like hand motions
0: <laughs> on the screen. So yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, trying to do hand signals here where it is on the interface of, of, of how it actually looks, <laughs> so to speak of the triangle that I'm talking about. Um, so the thing about it is you have your switch that you can switch either 20, 30, 60, and 100, I believe is. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite sure that that's yep. the low end because I'm not looking directly at it right now. So I'm going by memory. Um, and then what you can do is you can just do a straight up boost and leave the attenuation on zero, which is kind of like a low shelf mm-hmm. thing that goes on. But yep. at the same time, a lot of the time, what ha- what a lot of guys will do, and I do this a lot, is that you can do like this nice three, five, 3 to 5 dB boost on, say, 100 on a kick or even 60. So, you know, if you really want that lower thud, you do it at 60. And yeah. then what you do is you run the attenuation knob up at least the same amount if not sometimes more. And what that will do... Wait, you're boosting and cutting the same frequency <laughs> at the same time! It does this wonderfully yeah. cool thing. Um, it, it just it has a tendency to really tighten up the low end without getting super muddy when you do this. And so yeah. it's a really cool effect to be able to boost and then attenuate at the same frequency at the same time with this particular EQ because it just gives you this nice, big fat low end without making it go, you know, with your yeah. sound. So it, it, yeah. and it, it's just, it's really beautiful for that, which is why I tend to use it on things that need a good solid low end. Yeah. So I do the and same the thing with bass. It's the same thing. You know, set that thing up at a hundred, you boost it up and then you attenuate it and your bass gets a nice funky low
1: end without getting tubby. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah and the reason why that works is it, it's that the the curve of the attenuation uh versus the boost is slightly different so that they're not just nulling each other out there's a right. weird sort of like crossover that happens there so uh, you kind of have to hear it what it does but it's almost like you get a little bit of a dip somewhere in there so that while you have the boost it dips down a little bit and you get like a little bit of a bump of the um at the other side of the cross. So it's a very, very nice effect. And uh, as, just as we're talking about that point, the first sort of like instruction that came out with oh. the EQP1 yes. was w- they, they specifically said that you should not boost and cut at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but then you know somebody tried something out and it you know it's this great trick right yes it, it's so, a wonderful um, trick it's funny
0: that they actually tell you not
1: to do it but right well, screw that because it, it you know if you try it wrong, and it sounds right?
0: good then it is good that's yeah, that's the general indeed. reality of things however uh yeah. sometimes yeah. you boost too much and you attenuate too much and then it becomes a real problem. So,
1: well yeah, I mean you you feed a kid too much ice cream and eventually they'll puke, right? <laughs> so it's like it, it can be too much of a good thing, right? Sure. So, so that that's um, yeah, the so.
0: that's the first thing, but I, I I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier is it it did take me a little while to wrap my head around how the EQ interface actually works because sure. there's one triangle that is geared for the low end, and that's off to the left side as you're looking at it. <clears throat> the mm-hmm. middle triangle, which is kind of a triangle, it's it's a kind of an it's off, an upside down r- triangle. The yeah, point is pull, pull, the point pointing, is pointing up at this point, and uh, that is your your high end shelf ish thing, not yeah. selfish but shellfish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where you have your choices on the EQP1A, and I think it's 3, 4, 5, 8, 10, and 16, if I'm yeah. going by memory, um, yeah, because I'm trying to, like, view this in my head. As yeah, I'm, 3, 4, I'm 5, 8, 10, it.
1: 12, and 16, yeah.
0: Okay, I missed the 12. Anyway, um, that, the, the boost is sitting above your selector switch and your Q or your... Range of how wide the amount of boost is going to be is off to the left side of this selector switch, and then your last triangle on the right hand side, so to speak, is your uh, your attenuation of the high end that has the switches five, ten, and twenty dB. Um, right, and depending on certain elements to the sound, like if you're asking me about guitars, when I use it on guitars. Oftentimes, I'm not going to try and boost the super high end of the guitars because that would start interfering with other elements in the mix. When, it, when if you're talking about drums, say, and you want to have a sparkly top end on your cymbals, you don't want the guitars yeah. to be sparkly up in there either, or at the same time. Yeah, and generally lo- speaking, and a lot of so, sounds on,
1: on guitars. Yeah, there's just there's not a whole on chip. A whole bunch of valid information high, up it's Yeah, It's basically just end. like sizzle type of thing. Yeah. So
0: you use the attenuation knob and you set it either – usually I will attenuate at either 5 or 10K depending on how bright I want those guitars to feel uh, in the mix. Mm-hmm. And then I will attenuate the top end down on that. So uh, in terms of using it vocally speaking, I generally will use the – high. I won't even use the attenuator on, on a vocal. I will use the low-end – boost an attenuation depending on how much s- foundation I need, I guess would be a good way of saying it, underneath the vocal. Uh, and then with the high end, I'm generally going to be boosting way up there, the 16, to kind of give the air a, a bit more hmm, of a sparkle. Okay. Uh, and, and that kind of goes in line with how I would use another famous EQ that will – a deep dive on in a future episode and i don't even want to mention it right now because then people will be like oh win, 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 win." so <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay yeah yeah i know and, and we'll have to about, figure it out, will... so um
0: yeah but i think we'll do that one as a super special kind of deep dive when we get to that episode hopefully we'll be able
1: to do something really cool something off it, yeah. really
0: cool with that one yes um so, yeah. So generally speaking, that's how I would use that. If there was something in the middle of the, of the vocal range that I would need, I would use a second EQ. Whether I would use the MEQ5 or another EQ, like a Neve or something in addition to that is it, entirely up to the range of, of what's happening in the middle of the vocal. But generally speaking, the EQP1A I would be using for giving a nice solid foundation by using the boost and attenuation on the low end and then sparkling up the super high end.
1: So the, would you use the, the Pultec first or second in, in order of EQs if you needed to do some EQing on a, on a vocal, for example?
0: I would probably use it on the, 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 the last part. I usually use it on the last part of the chain. It'd be right, the last so you do thing.
1: any kind of, like, corrective stuff yes, first, should you need to, or, or any mid type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: Everything, also, yeah. the same, same generally tends to happen for compression. I will compress first, then EQ, generally. Um, unless mm-hmm. there's a super problematic thing that I want the pre- the compressor to kind of hide, then I would EQ aggressively
1: into the compressor for it to compress that down, so to speak. Yeah, so, yeah, so you're almost... Using it almost like a side chain, yes, almost, almost into the compressor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, hmm. All right, cool. Uh, any other uses that you have for the Pultec where you like to, to do it? So, we talked about I, I, I generally kick. don't about use about it vocals, on synths. guitars.
0: So, I, I, yeah. I very rarely will ever use a Poltec on synths, mostly because if you're not creating that sound correctly at the source, why are you
1: EQing it in the recording? Uh. Yeah, you know. And it can't be too much of a good thing as well. If everything is boosted in the low end and the high end, yeah. you're not really doing anything. Right? Well, <laughs> so.
0: you're doing something. You're just hyping a particular area. And uh, to think about it, I think there's been one instance where the synth needed to be cut off, so to speak, as like a, mm-hmm. a high-pass filter. And I I used the HLF EQ on that.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. Where are those set, by the way? I know we're not talking about those, but, but where are those? Are those fixed frequencies or are they?
0: You know, I, it's I don't been a while them. since I've – here, let me look it up real quick because it's been a while since I've actually opened one up. Um, yeah. It says here that it is selectable because it's okay. well, an, it's it's got a certain, like – Slope to it already. Mm-hmm. So you're just selecting the frequency. And your selection choices are – can we get in there? Let me look. Ah, don't do that. Bad, bad. If you can see me, you're probably getting a big jo- joy, big set of Jody nose in the screen. All right. So uh, we have selectable frequencies of 50, 80, 100, 150, 250, 500, 750, 1K – 1.5K and 2K as your low cutoff or your high pass part of the filter.
1: Wow, that goes really high.
0: Yeah, it goes pretty far. And then for the high end portion of this, you go from 15K, 12K, 10K, 8K, 6K, 5K, 4K, 3K, 2K and 1.5K. Hmm. So, those are your ranges on your high and low settings, right?
1: All right. Okay. Cool. All right. Should we move into the next segment here? What is the next segment? Well, today I get to say it's Friday
0: fine. Well, all right, you kicked it off yourself and since it's Friday I kicked find- it off myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. All, all right. right, I'm, I'm just going to take cause
0: you the ring. Yeah, take it.
1: I I This is going to seem like weird after today's episode, but I have a newfound appreciation for the Poltec.
0: <gasps> you don't so, say.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I, I historically haven't used it a whole lot. So I, um, I'm intrigued by we've this. We've created um, our own you know, monster so, here, people. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'd I have to pick the Poltec EQ. I want to try a couple of different ones. I, I frequently use the the Slate custom EQ series but as i said it's not a 1 to 1 recreation of of the Poltec so i'm going to dive in more to this and i'm i'm intrigued to see what this is going to do to um, some of my workflow. Oh yeah. So yeah, <laughs> i think so. So what about you Jody? What did you got for us? My big thing this week is that iZotope
0: has announced an update to their vinyl plugin Mm-hmm. Which Good allows you to... Isotope. yeah, well done well done you uh isotope had a plug in for the longest time called vinyl, which allowed you to essentially throw a plug in onto a sound that recreated the concept of varying what's that it's not not just vinyl but the actual like record needles of different eras of. Phonographs. Yeah, it
1: sounds like it's it, the audio is coming from vinyl a patic- that has from vinyl different through levels a particular, of wear.
0: Yeah, through a particular phonograph uh, based yeah. on the era that you're listening to or the era that you want it to sound like it came from. In addition to that, the fun thing about it is you can andom- randomly add dust particles mm-hmm. and scratch sounds. Because you know, if yeah. you ever worked with vinyl and you have like accidentally bumped the phonograph player and you hear this thing go skipping across the – that usually yeah. leaves a mark on your vinyl. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that vinyl then when it plays back will have a little
1: – Yep.
0: In the sound. And Indeed. Uh, as I remember as a very wee little kid, my dad used to be very, very sanctimonious about his records. And Good for him. Yeah, he would – he had this setup and I don't remember the company that made it but it was like this bar and it's like a soap bar looking thing that had this velvet – Oh, yeah. Velvet of kind those. of bottom Absolutely, it. And I don't yep. know. Uh, and, then, and then he had like this special fluid <laughs> that he would squirt onto this thing. Yeah. And as the record was spinning around on the phonograph without the needle being on it, of course, he would very carefully wipe the record with this thing. And it would clean off the vinyl A- and take A-MD. all the dust out of the grooves and everything else with this special device. And it was like, wow. So – for whatever reason, some people actually want that stuff in their sound, and the vinyl plugin adds that stuff in
1: there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so you can cool. make it I mean, sound
0: like you got a very dusty, scratched-up record. Uh, yeah, why? It's a cool effect.
1: Know, I've yeah. used it several times as Yellow. an effect. It's it, it's very cool. Yeah, I so, I actually um, but, have an old demo that I
0: use, it where I actually took the entire mix and ran it through the vinyl plugin and then slowly faded mm-hmm. it off that into the full digital quality sound of the of the audio. So yeah, there's there's cool yep. ways to make use of this plugin. Uh at least the older version that I have used and I am now updated to the new version because dun, 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 it is free. So if you want to sound Yay. like you're playing through vinyl on your recordings, you might as well go get the isotope vinyl plugin because it's free. You can't beat that. <laughs> well you could. Yeah. Could it, but it absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so with that in mind, we've now covered our Friday fines. We've we haven't really mentioned the two-minute Tuesday, and the two-minute Tuesday, I think this week should be how to make use of the Poltec EQ on, say Kick Drum. That sounds like a Why brilliant not? idea. So the yeah. two-minute Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, will be the Poltec EQ on a kick drum and how it gets used in that regard. In addition to that, while we still have your attention, da, 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 please go to the website and give us a review at insidetherecordingstudio forward slash review, or you can go to just InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and you can sign up for our email list. And the fun thing about that is, you'll start learning more about Chris and I than you probably ever wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> but in case you want to know more about us, that's going to be a really good way for you to get it, get to know us a little better and how we are the recording goofballs that we are in this world. Anyway, uh, in addition to that, we'll also try and make sure that you don't miss new episodes. And if you really want something fun and cool, send an email to Star. G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word Poltec in it. And you might just get a surprise. Or if you want to also contact us through the website, you can find out or give us suggestions. You wouldn't find out suggestions. You could give us suggestions as to what you would like to hear us pontificate upon in the future. And we will take it into consideration just for you. Indeed. Indeed. All right. And with that, Indeed. it's time to say goodbye. Sayonara. Bis <laughs> Later
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. We do appreciate it. Adam.